Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Kristen Hallinan. Today, we are talking about her book, Legacy Changer. If you feel stuck in cycles of brokenness, this episode is for you. You know, many of us unknowingly repeat the mistakes of our parents and grandparents, passing on pain and suffering. No matter what has happened in the past or the mess you might be in today, you are not destined to carry on your family's wounds, unhealthy behaviors, or toxic relationships. It doesn't have to be this way. Your legacy can be different, and the change starts with you. Hi, Kristen, and welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. I am so happy to spend this time with you. So you and I met at a mastermind retreat and I remember, I remember meeting you, you know, sometimes you just have those, I don't know. I just kept looking at you across the room and then finally we got a chance to talk. And I'm like, this woman is somebody that I just really admire and immediately love. Like I felt connected to you. Just, you're just such a beautiful soul and a beautiful heart. Um, and so I'm just excited if listeners don't know you yet so that they can get to know you. Um, and so I'd like to begin today's conversation just by hearing a little bit more of your background. Yeah. Um, I felt that same connection with you. So thank you so much for having me. I am live in Texas with my family. Now we lived in Colorado forever. My kids were eighth generation Colorado natives. We thought we were there, but the Lord brought us to Texas. I have four kiddos. They're, um, six to 16 and my husband and I have been married for 17 years. I, um, am living a very different life and story than, I might have otherwise, um, then my childhood and my upbringing had me on the trajectory for, I was raised in a home that was just emotionally disconnected and unhealthy. We, um, moved 25 times. I've moved 25 times in my life. So we were constantly just uprooting and my parents chasing happiness. We, um, we're not a house that believed. And I had never even heard the name of Jesus before. And so, you know, families are a funny thing. You just kind of think your family's normal and this is how everyone is until you get a little bit older and have a different perspective. And for me, that was in seventh grade, I would spend the night at a friend's house and her dad was a pastor planting a church. So we'd go in the morning and set up all the chairs in the high school gym. And that was the first time I heard the name of Jesus. And really for me, I was confused at the message at that point, but I was seeing the hands and feet of Jesus in their house, the way they loved me and the way they loved each other. It was just so different from the house that I was growing up in, that that really left an impression on me. And I think the Holy Spirit used that to work in my life. Years later, I became a believer when I was in college and it wasn't really even until, um, we had lost a baby in between our second and third kiddos. And I found myself in counseling for the first time in my life that I really started to understand and unpack just how many unhealthy coping mechanisms I had developed from the family that I grew up in. I was hypervigilant all the time, always looking out and trying to anticipate everyone's moods. Cause in the house I grew up in, I didn't know if it was going to be a good day or a bad day. And I was codependent feeling like I was responsible for everyone else's feelings and really had lost my own voice and own identity in the process. Well, I'm excited to unpack all of that because I think for everybody listening, we all have 
things in our family that we want to carry forward and probably things in our family that we want to change uh, moving forward. And so you have written a book called Legacy Changer, where you talk about breaking generational cycles in families. So you've, you've kind of given us a, a, a taste of why you're so passionate about it, about that topic, but I'd love to hear more of your heart on, on your motivation to write this book. Yeah, I just, I want other women to taste the freedom that I have come to know as a result of my healing journey. It really was like a concentrated five years that I was in trauma therapy and talk therapy and digging into my story and doing tons of research and tons of prayer and just figuring out as much as I could of why was I feeling so broken and why was it so hard to stop doing the things that I didn't want to do? Um, you know, like Paul says, we do the things we don't want to do. And that was absolutely true for me. And so I really want other women to have the tools that I didn't have to break the cycles because, you know, so many of us can say, I love my family and I love my parents. And at the same time, there are things that they did that didn't serve me well and that I'm going to do differently. And both of those things can be true. And so going on this healing journey is not an abandonment of your family or a rejection of your family, but it's just really being thoughtful about looking at the pieces of your family and what you have carried for, what was passed down to you. And even going back further than that, what was passed down onto your parents from your grandparents. Um, and what do I want to allow to continue on to the next generation? And what am I going to say no more to, you know, recently, and I, I wish I remember who said this, um, but it was on social media and it said, be patient with your parents. It was their first time living too. Oh, that's good. Yes, it really is. It's like such a, such a grace. And you know, now that I'm um, a mom and a wife, like I, that resonates with me. Cause it's like, I don't always feel like I'm doing the best job as mom and a wife. I, sometimes this is my first time living too. I'm trying to figure it out as I go with the grace of God and hopefully with the grace of other people. And so I think that just gives us such a compassion for, you know, the people in our lives and they, they probably really, for the most part, they probably were doing the best that they could, you yes. know? Mm-hmm. And as are we. Absolutely. And, and, um, and so I think that that is just, it's been really helpful for me to like reframe my mindset around my family, my upbringing, and then now how I'm parenting, um, and mothering. And so I'd love to hear about your journey as, as a mom, you, you, you talked about you're a, a mom of four. Um, and so how are you handing down a different legacy to your kids than the one that you received? For me, it's a lot about the words that come out of my mouth. It's about speaking words of life over my kids. Um, that was not done for me. And so it takes real intentionality for me to have words of life come out of my mouth. Um, and especially words that confirm their identity of who they are in Christ. Um, sometimes our kids are pushing all the boundaries. That is what they were designed to do. And so it's age appropriate for them, but sometimes really hard for us to speak words of life when that is happening. And so for me to speak over them, you are kind and you are honest. And even when they, maybe they're not being kind or honest in that moment, um, and just speaking over them, things that are going to, 
um, walk them closer to God and closer to who God has created them to be. And a lot of that has been in co-regulation too, um, in a family that was super emotionally cold, um, on one end of the spectrum. And then we went from there all the way to the other end of the spectrum of a super emotionally hot, um, co-regulation was not something that was really happening, but I mean, even adults need help processing emotions and feelings. And, um, I think that's why God created community for us, but especially our little kiddos that they have literally not developed a free frontal a prefrontal cortex yet, they don't have the ability to process logically the things that are going on around them. And they need our help to understand what's happening and understand these big feelings and name them and us to speak words of life in those hot moments with them. Um, and then give them a sense of agency over their body and their choices. Um, that they don't feel like we're just handing down reprimands that they have to obey or else, but they are entering into a place where they get to choose words of life back to us and back to others. They get to choose choices that honor God and honor their own bodies and minds. Um, so that's been a, uh, work in practice for me because it's hard. Um, and I get it wrong all the time, but it's something that I'm really focusing on right now in motherhood. Yeah. You know, I, I came to know Christ, um, in, in middle school, but really didn't walk with him until I had my son, Will, which was almost 15 years ago. And, um, but, you know, and I meant, I wasn't wanted to mention this at the beginning, but I actually had a friend who they used to take me to church too. And it just makes me think, cause you know, our, our stories in that way mirror each other, how we really can impact other people in ways that we don't even, even know people are watching um, our behaviors and our actions and are hearing our words and our tongues really do have the power of life and death over them. And no, not, not just our children, but our, our friends, children, and like really everybody. And I actually spoke at a first priority this morning at my kids school. And that was actually my message. And so it's interesting how God continues to speak this to my heart. Um, because those words can stick with us for decades, the positive ones and, and the, the negative ones. Um, but like you mentioned, so many of us, like we're dealing with, we all have baggage and we all have, we're human. And so we all have things like that. We're still battling and maybe our own brokenness. So how are we able to like in the midst of our own brokenness, how do we manage to still be a good parent and manage our kids' emotions as well as ours at the same time? so hard. That is like it's the so daily <laughs> battle. <laughs> um, for me, uh, I became familiar with the term that they use in like the mental health world window of tolerance. And it just really means how much am I able to tolerate this situation before I am put into like total rigidity or chaos. I'm just out of control myself. Um, and so I really pay attention to that now. Like, am I in my window of tolerance? Do I think I can, process this and deal with this situation right in front of me, um, in a way that I'm going to be proud of and feel good about later, or do I need to take a break? Do I just need a little quick walk outside? Do I need to make some tea? Do I need to do something that just calms my nervous system and gets me back in that place where I can parent from a place of love and really like 
the logical part of my brain, not the just out of control, emotional part of my brain. Um, and I think when we aren't raised in a house that does that, that everyone's first response is just to get wild and out of control, um, or to go quiet and ignore and kind of do silent treatment. It's so hard to stay in that middle place as a mom, because the truth is our kids are very triggering. They are loud and they are often ungrateful and they are whiny and they do all the things that kids do. Um, but I just have to continually remind myself, it's my job to stay in that window of tolerance and to figure out how to take good enough care of me that I'm taking the care that I want to take of them. Mm, that's so good. I, you know, I've said before, I've, I think that marriage and motherhood is God's way of sanctifying us. You know, it's like sharpening us every day and challenging our character and molding us. I really do believe that's one of the ways that God is molding us into being more like him. You know, the, the love is patient, oh, love gosh. is kind, you know, all the first Corinthians, the 13 things. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I think often the problem isn't that people don't want to do better in their family, but that they aren't sure how to actually get started. Like, how do you, how do you break the mold? So for someone who's really hurting today, maybe they are in a difficult marriage, struggling as a parent, or just um, aren't experiencing the freedom that we know Jesus offers. Where do you think that we should begin? Yeah, I think first we have to put out the fires. So if there is, um, if we're in crisis in our marriage, or we just feel totally um, ill-equipped to handle maybe a strong-willed child or something that is really getting in the way of our everyday. Um, I think that is first and foremost. And, but then I think long-term counseling or trauma therapy, um, there's so many different types now, and it depends on what you've been through for what's appropriate. But if, if it, it really is trauma that you've experienced, finding a trauma trained therapist is super important. Um, I like to think about if you get in a car crash and your leg is broken, if the surgeon just talks to you about it. Like, that's great. That's a good start to the plan, but I need you to actually do surgery as well. Just talking about, it, it's not going to do it's the same for trauma. Um, so sometimes talk therapy is not enough that you really do need to rewire the brain. Um, so finding the right type of therapist is important. Um, and getting in community, um, <laughs> the enemy loves that we are afraid to bring these things out of the darkness because that's where he can whisper more lies to us and just keep us wrapped up in our pain. But when we are in community where we are bringing all of this into the light, um, it's just, that is such a fruitful place for God to work. So when you're talking about trauma, how would you know, like what, Define trauma. I mean, like, how would you know if you came from a traumatic, you know, everybody goes through trouble, but what's the difference between like a little bit of trouble and a lot of trauma? That's such a good question. So yeah, because trauma is such a word that's thrown around a lot these days. So like knowing what it is, is important. Um, Trauma is when two things have occurred. Um, One, at the time of the painful event, you felt helpless. Uh, You felt like you had no choice, but to endure it. Um, and then also when your brain has not fully processed the event. So like our most, um, 
instinctual part of our brain is where it hits first. And it's like sending the stress hormones through our body, body and fight, flight, or freeze. And then in a brain that's fully equipped to deal with it. And oftentimes when you have someone to help you process the event, it goes forward into the cortex and you can understand what happened to you. And it kind of moves out and through your body. But if that step doesn't happen, it gets stuck in your nervous system. So anytime something reminds you of that event, and it may be subconscious, just a smell or someone spoke in the same tone or just anything that reminds your brain of that event, your body flares up and your nervous system is sending all the same signals throughout your body that feels like it's happening in the here and now. So it's not something that you remember happening. And I remember that that was hard, but I'm not really feeling anything in my body or having huge emotions when I think about it. But trauma is when you think about it and you still feel that really tight feeling in your stomach or your chest is tightening or your palms are getting sweaty. Um, there's a lot of physiological symptoms of trauma, um, being in a constant state of hypervigilance, always trying to take note of your surroundings and are, am I safe? Am I safe? Is the, what your body is continuously trying to, um, to figure out that is how we know trauma is in there. And sometimes it takes a bit of work to figure out why therapists and I did a bunch of story work before we could start trauma therapy, because so often when we're dealing with those really hard things that our brain is not processing, we just shut it out. And that makes the memories a bit fuzzy. And it can be a little bit hard to even recall, like, was that, do I remember that all correctly? And when in my life did that happen? And who was around me? All those things get a little fuzzy because we were dissociating as a means of survival. And so doing the story work to kind of figure out where are my pain points um, is often where we have to start before the trauma therapy. Wow. Um you know, I'm just thinking about how, how our bodies and our minds and our hearts and our souls, like all of our emotions, they are so intertwined, right? Mm -hmm. Like that you're having those physical, physical effects from, uh, from a memory. And so I think that that, that was just really good wisdom and something that's really going to help a lot of, um, listeners. And so I think when we have experienced trouble or trauma or whatever it may be, many of us will feel shame, over our past. And that can really affect our identity now in the present. So what would you say to a woman who is struggling today with shame? Yeah. Shame is one of the sneakiest, most insidious tactics of Satan, I believe, because it's like a blanket that he throws over our light because he cannot stand when our light is shining onto others. Um, shame is different than guilt because guilt says I did something wrong and guilt can be a gift from God saying, Hey, pay attention to this and, and turn away from it. Cause you're going to get hurt. But shame says that I am wrong and that's never from God. Um, shame tells us, tells us a false story about ourselves that kind of gets stuck in our brain. And so it might be dad left because I wasn't worth loving or mom never quit drinking alcohol because I wasn't worth taking care of, or I was always shouted over because my voice doesn't matter. Um, and so we get these, I'm not worth loving. My voice doesn't matter. These soundtracks stuck in our mind. And then we react based on those. 
and carry those reactions throughout our life. And so we'll see the pain that happened long ago. It's still costing us now because it's costing our relationships and it's costing our really our primary relationship with God, because we're not believing his truths. We are believing lies about ourselves, And so combating those lies with his truth is so important. Digging into scripture and figuring out who does God say I am because he created not only the world, but he created us. And so he's the only one who gets to say who we are. Mm. Oh, that's really powerful. So I, as you were talking about your family background, I'm wondering about how do you forgive? Have you worked through forgiveness? And like, what about just reconciliation or, or setting boundaries, like to really stand up to your family? I think all of those things are really in, intimidating and really difficult to do. So I'd love for you just to talk about forgiveness and, and maybe setting boundaries as well. Yeah. Forgiveness is a big one. It is so hard and we're called to it. And I think there are two very different types of forgiveness and depending on your situation is going to, what you can pursue. So there's therapeutic forgiveness. And that means that whether or not this person is sorry, whether or not they are willing to reconcile that I am choosing to forgive them to free my own self and not be trapped in that anger and sadness, um, any longer. And so that's therapeutic forgiveness, but in biblical forgiveness in Matthew 18, it requires reconciliation and it requires going to the person and laying before them your hurt and giving them the opportunity to step into that and to reconcile. Um, and so depending on your family situation, that can be really hard because you can't control the other person's willingness to step into reconciliation. And so, um, unless there is very abusive behavior, I'm a proponent of reconciliation. Um, because I think that's what love looks like. Um, it looks like humbling ourselves and to the point of giving them the opportunity and wanting harmony in the relationship. Um, you know, so much as it's up to us, we're supposed to seek peace. And so, um, I have found it to go both ways in my family. Um, sometimes I've had to therapeutically forgive because they're not sorry and they're not to that place. And I can keep praying for reconciliation to happen. Um, and then in other places, reconciliation has happened and it is beautiful and worth every ounce of pain that occurred before it. Um, so I think boundaries are very closely intertwined with that. Um, because when someone is not willing, um, to fully reconcile and step into it and own their behavior, um, and respect your wishes, then boundaries are necessary. Um, they're not just necessary, but they're biblical and they're kind. It's kind to be upfront about what your expectations are about what you will or will not tolerate in a relationship. Um, because if we don't do that, we're holding grudges and we're building resentment um, and we're not giving the relationship a chance. So boundaries are something that happens more naturally in really healthy relationships, um, but they take a little bit extra work. And the truth is that even if it's a very unhealthy relationship that everyone involved is used to, that's what they're used to. 
their, the equilibrium of the relationship might be balanced on these really unhealthy principles, but that is what they're used to tolerating. And so when you change the game and you start doing a different dance on them, they're like, wait a minute. I like that other dance we were doing. That was comfortable. And I don't really like you in this new dance. And I don't want to participate in this dance. And so there can be a lot of pushback. Um, and so just knowing, just anticipating that and having reasonable expectations about this is going to feel hard for them and giving grace, um, as they try to grow and change. Yeah. I think as Christians, at least for me, sometimes it feels selfish and unloving to set a boundary because we're so focused on, you know, trying to be like Christ and forgive 77 times seven. Yeah. But yet sometimes it's like, it, it really is unhealthy for you to continue in, in that relationship. Like if there is a physical abuse or an emotional abuse, and it's hard to define sometimes what that emotional abuse really is because it becomes so normal. Um, but I think that um, it's really important to do for your own safety and your own well-being as well. And that's not selfish. Do you have anything to say on that? Yeah. And for me, especially when it came to being a mom, and for what I was going to tolerate, not only how my kids were treated, but how they're watching their mom get treated and, um, what they were learning a relationship should look like. Um, I had a point about five and a half years ago that my mom had moved in with us because she needed a place to stay, but, um, the lack of emotional health in our relationship that had always existed was just magnified and it was hurting my marriage and it was hurting my ability to be a good mom. And the kids were really suffering and she started engaging in a lot of unsafe behaviors. And I just had this moment where I saw that I so wished I was protected from the unhealthy behaviors of my grandma growing up. And I always wish my mom would step in and protect me in that way. And here I was being a next link in that chain and allowing my kids to be exposed to all of it. And that's when I got the courage finally to say, we're not going to do this. We want to love you. And we're going to have to do that with a little bit more space in between us. Um, because I'm not going to allow my kids to think this is what's normal or what they deserve or what God wants for our family. Um, and so I think understanding how not putting boundaries in place is affecting not only you, but the people around you that you love, I think helps us with our courage. Yeah. I think the courage was a word that I kept thinking about, like everything that you're talking about takes a lot of courage and a lot of strength from God. And like circling back to the very beginning, it takes counseling and it takes a community around you to support you. Um, and I think this is such a powerful message and something that like this really matters. Our decisions, our behaviors, our actions, you know, we, we look at the Bible and every single choice made by people in biblical times is affecting us still now today. And so our choices, the things that we are choosing to do in our families, that's going to matter for generations. And so this is a really important message. And so what, what is your hope as people read this book? My friend, Carrie Scott Garcia likes to say, hurt people, hurt people, but free people, free people. And that is my hope is that they would find freedom for themselves 
And then that freedom is going to trickle on to everyone around them. And like you said, that is going to have an impact for generations to come. Um, we're not going to get everything right. We're still going to mess so many things up, but hopefully we're handing something more beautiful down to our kids and then they can improve upon that and their kids can improve upon that. And it can be a legacy, not of pain and brokenness, but a legacy of love. Is that what you hope your legacy is? That was going to be my next question. What do you, what do you hope for your legacy? Yeah, I do. I, I think it's ever evolving. Um, when I first started to find my voice, I was really passionate about my kids finding their voice too, and knowing that their voice mattered. Um, but I think what's underneath that and the purpose of that is love, um, harmful behavior love and to give love. And so stopping that is all in the name of love. Well, speaking of love this season, I, I want to ask all of my guests two new questions. So what is something you're loving right now? Mm. <laughs> my husband calls me a serial enthusiast. So I get real passionate about a lot of things, <laughs> but, um, one thing our family has been loving uh, just to slow down from the hustle and bustle is we do family game nights and we've been playing code names and it's hard to find a game that can work for six year olds and 16 year olds. Um, but that's been a really fun one to just laugh and think. And so, yeah, I think code names oh. is something I'm loving right now. Well, so Christmas, um, as we're recording, Christmas is coming up. I know this is going to release at the beginning of, of the new year, but um, I usually try to get a board game, a new board game for the kids every year. So I'm going to have to look up that one. So thank you for that recommendation. Um, and then my next question is, is there a biblical concept of love that speaks to your heart most that you would want to encourage us with today as we come to a close? Mm. You know, I'm just going to tell you the first thing that popped into my mind. And that is, I have had a really hard time celebrating and pausing to just commemorate the blessings that God's given us because celebrating was shamed in my family, um, around birthdays and Christmas and things like that. So I've had a hard time developing it. So one of my favorite verses has become, um, in second Samuel six twenty two when David saying, I will get even more undignified than this because it was in the name of his love for the Lord. And he wasn't going to care what anyone around him thought about it. And I just love that posture, um, about celebrating big time and proclaiming all of the love that we are given. And I think that is a way to spread the love, um, to the people around us. So, yeah. Oops. And let's, let's be in, undignified in the name of the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I would, I would love for you to, you know, this is such a big topic. And so thank you for being so honest, honest and vulnerable and authentic. And I'm sure that the women listening that maybe have struggled in the same ways that you have, are going to want to reach out to you. So tell us how we can best do that and pick a, a pick up a copy of your book. Yes. Um, so it's available for pre-order right now. Um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you buy books, you can pre-order that. Um, also on my website, just kristenhallinan.com. And on the front page of the website um, is a quiz, the 
what is your cycle breaking superpower? Because all of us have based on our history, something that we've become really good at that might have felt hard, but it's actually become a superpower to stop these cycles. And um, so go take that quiz. Um, Instagram is just Kristen.Hallinan. And I would love to hear from anyone and just hold your story for you. Okay. Well, I, I, I'll put all that in the show notes, but as we close, I would love for you just to pray for us and pray over us um, to be legacy changers. Absolutely. Father God, thank you so much for each person listening. Lord, only you know the depth of their story, the depth of their pain and their joy, their maybe needs that unwet went unmet as a child and the greatest longings of their heart. Father, I just pray that you would meet her where she's at. If there is a fire in her life right now, a crisis, Lord, I just pray that you would resource her and meet those needs so that she can be freed up to do the deep healing work that needs to be done. Father God, you are a God of redemption. You want to see our stories redeemed. And I just praise you for that. I praise you for being so good, for being willing to adopt us as your own children. When maybe we feel like we didn't really belong anywhere else. We know that we belong with you. I just praise you for giving us your son as a picture of love. You have clearly instructed us what love is supposed to look like. And Lord, I just pray that you would bring each of us one step closer to emulating that love, to being able to receive that love, to giving that love to others around us. And that one day at our time, you would help us change our legacies so we can be closer to the people that you've called us to be and the lives you have called us to walk. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Kristen. This has been um, a beautiful episode and I believe will change a lot and uh, many, many legacies. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Kristen Hallinan. We hope that today encouraged you to be a legacy changer. If you're interested in show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams author on Instagram or Facebook. I'd love to connect with you there. I'd also love to connect with you over on rachelkadams.com. There you can subscribe to receive your weekly love offering newsletter. And all of this information can go straight to your inbox each week. You can listen to previous podcast episodes. You can read the blog series and you can download free resources like the word of the year quiz and the love offering calendar to start your year off strong. Next week, my guest is Jen Schultz. She is on the show talking about she's not your enemy and we're going to be talking about comparison. I can't wait to chat with you again then, but until then, I hope you have a terrific week and as always, remember to lead with love.